This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail Cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm great. We roll on with the FPL Preview Content 2019-20, part three of our team preview uh, series, I guess we can call it. We have a total grab bag of teams. We're going alphabetical order, so you can go back to Mm -hmm. our somewhat evergreen episodes, uh, parts one and two, where... It's, uh, what, Arsenal all the way through Newcastle. Today we're covering Norwich, Sheffield United, Southampton, Spurs, Watford, Wolves, and West Ham. Uh, not necessarily in that order, Josh. Not necessarily in that order. It's a, it's a little little uh, mixed up at the end there. It's, it's a Motley crew, but that Motley crew is, in my opinion, where a a fantasy league, a mini league can be won or lost. You know, it's, yeah. mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the, the 4 million Aaron Wambasakas, even if you're kind of an amateur player, you're going to find that player out. You know, the, the 11, 12 million forwards and, and, and expensive midfielders, you know, those, those are pretty obvious too. It's pretty clear when, when someone like Mosal is informed, but it's getting on Gerald Delafeu, you know, getting on these kind of these mid table teams and they're mm-hmm. you know, finding their, their talent. It can be really tricky. It's a lot of gambling involved. You know, you look, a team like West Ham, they've got four or five different midfielders who could be interesting. You know, someone like Antonio, you know, uh, was fantastic at the end of last season. You know, does yeah, he under does the he radar over? Very under the radar. You know, he actually would have been a great game week 38 option. I'm still kind of kicking myself for not considering him. Uh, so you have <laughs> always you have living like in the players. past, Josh. Oh, yeah, I know. I am. So you have you have players like like Antonio, players like Jerry D, and they're all they're not on the flash Nathan Redmond, necessarily. Maybe? Mm-hmm. Well, well, maybe I, it's sort of, I'm his number one hater, but yeah, uh-huh. he's, uh, he definitely can't 6.5 million this year. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's too much. No, you're, you're uh, exactly <laughs> right. So we're, we're, we're basically digging for, uh, digging for diamonds in the rough here, uh, apart from Spurs, which of course have some of those more premium assets. And I look forward to a Harry Kane yep. discussion with you, which we, we spent a, a fair amount of time discussing Harry Kane and our 10 questions previewing the season podcast. 
Um, but here he'll come up in the entire context of Spurs. Uh, should we do some quick yep. housekeeping before we get into those team previews? Sure, let's do it. Uh, quick update. Uh, we mentioned this on previous podcasts. We won't go into it on uh, any real length. But if you enjoyed the podcast, if you want a bonus podcast per week, if you want to join the Slack, if you want to take advantage of a free T-shirt and lots of other offers that we have at various Patreon levels, and if you do, just want to support the cheaters, uh, who is the cheaters are me and Brandon, mm-hmm. no producer. We produce the podcast ourselves. Uh, if you want to uh, support the cheaters, then uh, go to patreon.com slash always cheating and every little bit helps and is very sincerely appreciated. And we will shut you out on the podcast to say thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Go to patreon.com slash always cheating and find the right tier for you. And we'll just say right now, quick thank yous to our new Patreon supporters. A big thank you to our newest producer patron, Dave Wegner Lodal. Thank you to our new Sam Volkswagen patrons, Gordon Henriksen, Matt Marks, Daniel Bloodworth, and Leo Howell. Also, thank you to our new Lord Soloth patrons, Paul Parson, John Cox, Thomas Jacks, Evan Caruso, Polka Dots, Richard Saunders Irving. And finally, thank you to our new Pookie patrons, Jason Conway, Johannes, John Q, Chris Carey, and Tim Love. Thank you to all of you very much. Last bit here, Josh. Remember to join our big Always Cheating Super League open to all of our listeners. Come one, come all. The uh, code to join the Always Cheating Super League is DTZ277. You can find that code on our website, alwayscheating.com, or on all of our social handles. So, yeah, today, waste no time. Join the Always Cheating Super League. Uh, It's huge. It's fun. It's competitive. And uh, I, Josh, I just want to tell you I love the Super League. Brilliant. All right. Uh, Brandon, we, that was that was so efficient of us that I don't think we need to take a break. Let's just go right into our first team. Brandon, it's a promoted team. It's Norwich City. Take it away. The, the promoted teams, they're tricky to preview, right? Because if if we're talking about like we're going to talk about uh, Southampton shortly, a kind of tricky mm-hmm. FPL team to preview in many ways, but we know like at least 85% of the moving pieces there. Some of these promoted teams, if you're not a following the championship, you, you, you know, virtually nothing. So with mm-hmm. Norwich, the problem is they're, they're kind of a, a vast stay away from team to start the season. They open up away at Anfield. They have Chelsea in game week three, then Manchester city in game week five. I would not, dare encourage anyone to invest immediately in Norwich City, but I just want to give us all the lay of the land of this team. And totally. a good place they're, they're to, a weak they're a first wild card team, right? When you play that first wild card, that's a team you're going to want to look at. Yeah. And I think to to know Norwich, let's just get to know their manager real quick, German Daniel Fark. Uh, that sounds like a made-up name to me, but it's not. Daniel Fark. <laughs> and he's known mm-hmm. he's known for playing an attacking possession-based style of football, which, as we know, always goes terribly for promoted teams. Um, flash forward 15 game weeks, and Norwich will be known for playing um, five flat at the back and defending for for their lives. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. uh, but I hope Lambert not. I, back. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously Norwich uh, finished first, won the championship outright last season, scored a ton of goals, um, and also conceded a ton of goals. I hope they can bring that attacking uh, football to the Premier League because it sounds like a lot of fun to watch. Uh, for FPL, 
uh, it's good to note that Fark is not known for rotating his squad very much, if at all. So that's a good th- that's a good thing for us as far as Norwich is concerned. Very good we'll thing see, there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we'll we'll see the players that we like after the first few few game weeks, and it, it should be pretty set in stone from that that point forward. And the other thing I just have to flag, and I know you're a fan of this character in the IT mm-hmm. crowd, Josh. Uh, mm-hmm. Daniel yep. Fark bears a striking resemblance to Matt Barry, who's the comedic actor who plays the uh, the weird um, younger boss who comes in in the later seasons of the IT crowd. You remember his iconic mm-hmm. line at his father's funeral? Mm-hmm. Was it Where Papa? He, father? A father? Right, of course, of course. So, so, so there you are. That's the download on Daniel Fark. Let's get into the actual players that we can bring into our FPL squad. Starting at the defense. So, when we previewed Aston Villa, I mentioned that Villa conceded a whopping sixty-one goals in the championship, which was the worst tally in the top uh, half of the championship table. For perspective, Josh. Norwich conceded 57 goals and they won the league. So basically, maybe I was a little harsh on Villa. Everyone in the championship is conceding goals. Uh, wait till we get to Sheffield United, Brandon. Let me turn my oh, head a yeah. little bit. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's where we'll where we'll go to actually get our bench defenders from Sheffield United. But um, just quick to note for future reference, if we're looking at fullbacks uh, for any kind of defenders at Norwich, it's down to Max Ahrens and Jamal Lewis. They're two Trent Alexander-esque, very, very young fullbacks. Max Ahrens is 19, Jamal Lewis is 20. Uh, Ahrens is the one to flag here. If you look back at last season, Ahrens beat Jamal Lewis on every single stat save uh, crossing, which you could argue is kind of important for a fullback. But uh, two goals and six assists for Max Ahrens on the season, and he would be the one to flag for future reference when we may look at Norwich uh, defenders. At, uh, on the goalkeeper front, longtime FPL players will be excited to see Tim Kroll coming back, but it looks like mm-hmm. new GK signing Rolf Farman from Schalke is probably going to give Tim Kroll a run for his money, and maybe he will immediately have that number one spot. Remains to be seen wow. there. But Daniel Fark's man is Rolf Farman. It just makes sense, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> Fark and Farman. It sounds like a German, uh, like a like a Black Forest crime drama. Um, okay, so. <laughs> Let's move to the midfield. Some attacking assets here. Uh, certainly, if Norwich do stick to that attacking ethos, we will uh, just just be looking at attacking players. Their midfielders, the really interesting ones, feel kind of expensive to me. Mario Vrancic, he is the midfielder of choice. Ten goals, seven assists last season, and he's Norwich's penalty taker. But the problem is, he costs six point five million. That is, that's just. That's a hefty chunk of change to risk. It's on, too much. Yes, you know, right. it's too much for now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. you just you just don't know. And, and like you know, we have to when we do these previews, we have to focus on the first six eight weeks of the season. You know, um, because otherwise, it's just you're just looking too far ahead. You know, you're looking at that first wild card territory as I mentioned before, and so. I think it's six point five million. Maybe he's a good value, but right now it's it's hard to it's hard to say that. Yeah, there's Buendia, who a lot of people are are um, flagging as the creative heartbeat of the of the Norwich midfield. I mentioned to you these two big Norwich fans that I met at the Black Horse, who were actually just in New York for a weekend from England. They're like proper Norwich fans, and they said, "Look out for Buendia in the Premier League next season." 
eight goals, 12 assists, and he's on uh, most of Norwich's uh, set pieces. The bargain pick, I think, in the midfield could turn out to be Onal Hernandez at 5.5. Scores eight goals, nine assists last season, and um, he's just in the mix. And 5.5 seems like as much as one would be willing to pay for a promoted team just in our way of thinking ahead of ahead of game week one. So I'm flagging Ornell Hernandez as okay. the bargain FPL pick. But who do we really want to talk about, Josh? If I said we're going to preview Norwich City, who's the man? The new always she namesake, Brennan. It must be. It has to be. It simply can only be Timu P-U-K-K-I. Pookie. <laughs> I like that. Timu P-U. Uh, Timu Puki, yeah, he is the he's the new always cheating patron saint. We love him so much, having not even seen him play in the Premier League that we named a Patreon tier after him. But Timu Puki comes into the game priced at six point five. FPL is backing him to do something. He's twenty nine years old. He's Finnish. In case you've never heard of this guy, he was the high he. He uh, won the Golden Boot, I guess you would say, in the championship last season. Finished on twenty nine goals. Not a single one of those 29 goals, Josh, was from a penalty, which is, you know, Mo Salah, eat your heart out. Um, And the next closest scorer was Tammy Abraham at Villa with 26 goals. Pookie also finished the season on nine assists. This guy just has a great pedigree. He has clicked into this Norwich side. He has to be the one to watch. I know if if we're looking at other uh, forwards in this space competing at 6.5, Big names like Gerard De La Feu, who you mentioned when we opened the pod, Josh, or Diego Jota. Yeah, these these are proven assets in the Premier League. So Pookie has his work cut out for him. He's really going to have to mm-hmm. show us that he can score in the Premier League. But if he can, uh, he could. Uh, it seems foolish to say he could be like a a, a Raúl Jiménez this season. But I don't know. Well, who knows? You know. Yeah, he's a veteran player too. Um, you know, it's, I mean, he just scored a boatload of goals last year, and um, I mean that level of goal scoring, I think, is uh, is is something that, that will. I mean, it won't translate to the same level, but uh, we're not talking about like some fifteen goal striker here. You know, I mean, you know, twenty nine goals is, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially in a very physical conference in the championship. You know, so he's, he's going to have some mm-hmm. preparation for. For this level, and I mean, I think what's really appealing is just that Liverpool, Chelsea, and Man City are are done after game week five, you know. Yes, and so, right, right. so after that, I mean, you know, you just don't really, you're not going to have any run of seriously difficult fixtures for a good long time, you know. I mean, right. you might have some tricky fixtures, but nothing that'll make them unplayable, you know. Um, and so, it's kind of nice in a way just to like kind of get those tough ones out of the way, and then we can really, mm-hmm. you know, think about Norwich more seriously. Um, yeah. I'm glad they're back up though. I mean, I like, I like, it's kind of fun to have a club in the East, I think, you know, just like the geographic yeah. part of it's kind of cool. And, uh, I always felt like they had good fans. I like their, I like their kits are unique. You know, there's really no other kind of green and gold kits in that style, you yeah. know? So Sh- shout out um, to Stephen yeah. Fry, noted, uh, Norwich fan. That's true. All right. Should we move on to Sheffield United? Yeah, that's it on Norwich. So uh, what do you have to tell us about the other promoted team that we haven't talked about, Sheffield United? Yeah, well, they're in some ways they're they're less exciting, I think, as a as a as a fantasy 
Well, there, there are things to like about them. So I think the real strength here is going to be in their defense. I think that's where the value is going to be found. Um, they play in this 3-5-2 kind of system, or maybe it's a 3-4-1-2. I've seen it written up different ways. But what's unique about it is they have a three-man back line, kind of like, you know, like Wolves play. But mm-hmm. he gives his two of his center backs permission to bomb forward and join the attack. So it's kind of like the way Duffy does, you know, sometimes for Brighton. Mm-hmm. You'll have these these center backs who are going to be part of the part of the attack. So Yeah. I feel like we see Harry Maguire do that from time to time as well. Like I love watching a just a lumbering center back that with those long strides, but still able to control the ball. Yeah. I mean who doesn't? You know, it's just it's so they have um Chris Chris Basham and Jack O'Connell are the two uh, 4.5 million center backs who are uh, allowed freedom to to bomb forward and join the attack. They they did say Phil Jagielka, uh, which is kind of interesting. I imagine he would be the like hang back presence or something. I mean, he's probably there for defensive <laughs> cover, right? I I don't really know. I mean, Jagielka can't like. He, he, can't, he can't play like box to box, right? So yeah. I'm not sure. Like, so I, I assume he would be the stand back player in that team. Uh, he may he did, also uh, be tied, just a guy to provide moral support in the locker room leadership. Josh. Yeah, like another coach or something. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did tie for the best defensive record in the division last year with only 41 goals in 46 matches. Their keeper last season was uh, Dean Henderson, who was on loan from Manchester United. Uh, there was a bunch of a lot of talk. It has not been officially official as of us recording this podcast, but it looks like he is going to sign another loan deal. And in fact, in the spring of last year, Ole Gunnar was basically like, "Yeah, it'd be good for him to, you know, have a year of season in the Premier League anyway." So um, he didn't travel to Man United this summer. I think it's very likely that uh, Dean Henderson becomes um, the keeper for that team. And as long as he comes in mm-hmm. at four point five million, I think he is a fantastic option. Great if you're if you're going to go if you're going to do the four point five million keeper rotation thing that I think he might be uh, you know, real ideal candidate for it. Okay. Yeah. So that's someone to think about. Um, we also have left wing back Enda Stevens, uh, who is uh, the classic player who was slightly too good in the championship and comes in at 5 million and sort of 4.5, <laughs> you know, the classic, yeah. <laughs> the classic trap. Yeah, I know. Can and you he, believe he think, four, thinking yeah. about that? Um, just, just real quick. Can you believe that Matt Doherty started last season at 4.5 and now he's 6 million? Yeah. Like you could say the same about AWB moving from 4 to 5.5 at United, but what we got out of Matt Doherty for 4.5 and now was, now they're selling yeah. Sheffield United priced at 5 million and it feels it feels out of whack to me. Yeah, and wasn't there somebody Johnny repl- when Johnny came in, he replaced somebody who went like back down to the championship or something, and that guy was priced at five million. I remember he was like oh, really? <laughs> an even bigger goal scorer than I can't remember who that what, what his name is anymore, but I'm sure some some Wolves fan out there knows it. Um, so all right, so that's the defense. Uh, a lot of interesting options there. I think those cheap center backs who come forward though are both really interesting. I guess um, I mean I don't I, you know I don't know enough between Basham and O'Connell. It's sort of like I feel like when I don't know, I sometimes uh, just go with who has the lower ownership, you know, just um, to make it like even more of a differential. 
as far as the attack goes, they are led by two 30-plus-year-old strikers. Uh, we have uh, our boy Sharp, who I've talked about many times in this podcast already. Uh, and you have uh, David McColdrick, who is kind of the um, the second striker. Um, he starts at four, mm-hmm. uh, $5.5 million. He had 15 goals and four assists last season, so not bad. He actually won the team's Player of the Year award, too. Uh, but he is uh, very much sort of second on the packing order to Billy Sharp in that team, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Sharp is the one that I would I would be looking at much more seriously. Uh, Billy Sharp had uh, 34 starts last year. Um, he had 23 goals in those 34 starts. He had four assists as well. Um, sort of the talismanic leader of that team. Uh, he's I think he turns 34 in the fall or next spring or something like that. So you know certainly not not a young player, but seems like you mm-hmm. know I. I I, he's someone I'm just I'm just personally rooting for. I, I mentioned before, but he has some. Uh, um, it's kind of a tragic backstory to his history. So I encourage people to to go and, and read a little more about him. It's it's a pretty inspiring story. So rooting for Billy Sharp, uh, considering having him in my squad, possibly as early as game week one. I really like him at a six million price point. Um, it would be a bit of a punt, but I think that's true of any any cheapish player anyone from six million or cheaper is is kind of a punt you know like it's sort of you're you're sort of flipping a coin a little bit and uh he just seems like possibly a fun option i mean they play bournemouth crystal palace and leicester in their first three um so it's and then they play southampton in game week five so you know i'd say four to the first five matches are pretty good from at least an attacking perspective so um yeah i consider you know possibly looking at billy sharp it's only six million uh, the only midfield I'd really consider is uh, Mark Duffy. Uh, he had uh, six goals and six assists uh, last season. He does play in the number ten role for the for the squad, uh, but he does turn um, thirty four in the fall. So, jeez, another thirty four year old. This is like an old old folks home. It's kind of an older team, isn't it? Yeah, and he's uh, he is available for five point five million, so the price is good. Um, oh, you do have Oliver Norwood as well, who uh, we actually talked about on our price prediction podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Norwood had um, three goals and eight assists last season. He's available for only five million, so I'm um, actually have it in my current draft team. I actually have Oliver Norwood in my team at five million. So, um, you know, again, just for me, it's like, do I want Oliver Norwood at 5 million? He's on set pieces too. Do I want Norwood at 5 million or do I want, uh, someone like Jorginho? And I'm just, to me, give me, give, you know, give me the Norwood. I was just thinking the same thing. This is what FPL does to us. Now we're having arguments about who to choose between Oliver Norwood and Jorginho. It's, it's really, (laughs) it's really next level thinking, Josh. I agree. Yeah, it's true. Um, Yeah, it's true. It makes you think you, you're like, man, mm -hmm. I have like a lot of novels I haven't read, but yeah, I'm (laughs) instead I'm going to like go to, I'm going to go to the stat table and look at this for the next 30 minutes. But yeah, not to dredge up the whole Jorginho thing again, but it, it, I think it does bear repeating that Jorginho, the only set piece that he could even conceive, like we don't know for sure if he's nailed on penalty taker for Chelsea or if he's nailed on anything. But yeah, um, if Oliver starting. Norwood is starting, he's on dead ball set pieces in a way that Jorginho just isn't. Um, so something just to watch for in game game weeks one, two, three, to see how that all plays out. Well, yep, it's, it's like yep. what you were saying. I, I agree with what you're saying. Anything below six million is a punt and you just have to accept that. But you also have to uh, be nimble and understand that it will be it will be clarified in the first few game weeks. And then we'll just have to move as quickly as possible onto those yep, assets yeah. that look like they're actually going to earn that that value at that price point. 
Yeah, and don't fall on the risk of, of wildcarding too late, which is uh, just, and for anyone listening, you know, we are going to be doing our annual uh, 10 tips for FPL success. I think it's like our fifth annual one, which is insane. Uh, we're going to be doing that uh, after, actually, next week. So once we finish this this team preview, mm-hmm. the next week's podcast will be our, our annual 10 tips, which is always a really... Uh, well-received podcast really fun to record too so uh yeah. you're actually we're going upstate this weekend and we're going to uh i mean not not to do this but <laughs> we just we're going to see a friend upstate and uh but i was like yeah we're gonna like map this thing out man we're gonna like do 10 fresh tips uh and uh yeah i got like really nerdily excited yeah we have to take a uh, retreat just to get to get our tips and gear all right so you've introduced <laughs> uh the second duffy into the fpl game with mark duffy anything else on sheffield united before we move on nope let's move on okay um i feel like i drew the short straw and apologies to any true southampton fans out there but um I just haven't been able to really wrap my head around Southampton the last few seasons, particularly when it comes to FPL. Things were helped when Mark Hughes left and Hassenhutl came in. Uh, Say what you will about this Southampton squad. Hassenhutl was able to pretty quickly whip them into shape and get them to safety. Safety, weirdly, was just 39 points. I think, like, historically, 40 points is the threshold. But... um, the bottom three were just so bad last season that 39 easily got Southampton into 16th place. So a lot of this is on the back of Hassenhutl and how he can keep Southampton in check and keep um, sort of keep evolving this this hodgepodge of a squad such as it is right now. The fixtures to start out are, um, you know, there are some rocky ones in game week two. They host Liverpool, then it's Manchester United, if you're scared of them or not in game week. For otherwise, it's really quite a good run for them. Burnley and Brighton in game weeks one and three, then Sheffield United and Bournemouth. Um, After that, flagging Spurs and Chelsea in game week seven and eight. So they do have some tricky fixtures later on when we're thinking about wildcarding. So Southampton maybe is a team you could consider working with in the uh, opening game weeks pre-early wild card. Yeah, I just wish their, their easier fixtures weren't all on the road. You know, Burnley, yeah, Brighton, true. and mm-hmm. Sheffield. It's, it kind of feels like that's like every other every team they play of those three are going to be looking at that as this is their chance to pick up points. You know, right. and I, I kind of worry that Southampton are going to be the, the kind of team that are going to be in like zero points after their first five matches, you know, because they're just going to lose yeah. all five of these. Like there's no way they're going to beat – Liverpool at home. I, I suppose they could be Man United at home, although I don't expect it. Um, and I could, I would kind of expect them to lose. Maybe, maybe they win the Brighton match, you know. But other than that, I see a lot of, a lot of losses, you know. So um, yeah. I don't know. It just, yeah, the team doesn't seem significantly improved. I mean, I guess uh, you know, I don't want to step in your toes here. So what's, what's going on? Well, yeah, the the new improvement, the 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 big excitement is in the midfield. New signing Musa Gineppo. Uh, We're going to need the announcers to come in and tell us exactly how to pronounce that name correctly. But he's a 21 year old Mali international, already knocked out of the African Cup of Nations, so uh, that's not a concern of anyone's. Uh, but he comes to us from the Belgian league where he scored eight goals, two assists. So it's not like he comes here um, with some sort of Mbappe esque. Um, high-flying record, but he has potential, and what's exciting about him, and you love watching midfield wide players like this who are fast dribblers, and um, I feel like Southampton have tried 
uh, um, to find a, a continental, fast, skillful dribbler in the past. Uh, who, who was the uh, the signing they had brought in last season? Who they thought they were going to be? Uh, Elianusi was the guy they brought mm-hmm. in last season. Who they right. thought were going to f- yeah. was going to fill that role, and that didn't quite pan out. So Musa Gineppo at five point five could possibly be a player that we're talking about as the season rolls on. Nathan Redman, uh, FPL perennial talking point. 6.5, quite rich for a uh, one of the leaders in the attack at Southampton who only came away from last season with six goals and five assists. Just not yeah. terribly impressed with him at the moment. And he really only came on strong later in the season. You know, when when the pressure seemed to be coming off of Southampton, Nathan Redmond started to flourish. Yeah, I, mean, I was just going to say, Nathan Redmond is the same price as like Yuri Tielemans and... 0.5 million cheaper than, you know, James Madison. It's just like, I, I, you know, it seems that the price point seems a little high when you can think about what you can get in that price range. Yeah. Nathan Renman, quintessential, uh, only a temptation when there is a bizarre double game week um, enticing fixture set for Southampton. James Ward-Prowse, I was going to mention um, another one where you feel like he might be priced just a little too high at $6 million for what we're going to get, at least to the first half of the season. And I think we talked about this when we were doing our price prediction pod, Josh, about the, mm-hmm. the wondrous fact that JWP had zero assists last season. When you think of JWP, what do you, yeah, what do you think about? You think about him Crosses, taking set piece, set piece exactly. deliveries. Right. Yeah. Corners, I mean, you also think about him taking direct free kicks and scoring goals. He did score seven goals on the season, so that's not that's that's a decent return for a six million midfielder. Uh, seven yeah. goals on the they were like season. all in so, like a seven week window. It was like mm-hmm. it was like he yeah. scored like I think it was like three in a row, two different times, and then one like a few weeks after that. That was it. Uh, I don't think he had yeah. a single goal for the first like twenty five weeks of the season. Yeah. So uh, and and Hoyleberg, I feel like he kind of emerged as one of these weird defense defensive type midfielders who broke out mm-hmm. of that category last season. He scored four goals, had three assists, priced at four point five. That was a very winning strategy for Hoyleberg, mm-hmm. but uh, now he's up priced to five million. Uh, yeah, he had to make it five, like he, but it's it's too bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, depending on how the season goes, I, I think we might. Uh, going back to our discussion about uh, um, Jorginho and Norwood, maybe that will be a dance that we that we dance throughout the entire season is trying to hop from one hot five million midfielder to the next. So you, you never know what will come from Hoyleberg. The one player I yeah. want to watch who I thought will looked interesting at, in streaks last season was Stuart Armstrong, uh, also mm. priced at five five point five, three goals, four assists. Not a whole lot to say here, but just I feel like. He's going to be one that I do watch as the season goes. Uh, before we get to the uh, forwards, Josh, we just glanced over the defense, uh, probably on purpose, right? But um, <laughs> I, I, I am kind of sad that the one player on Southampton that I was really excited about, one great prospect from last season, was young Valerie. And he came mm-hmm. on strong, won that starting position on, I don't remember if he's on the left or the right, but looked like a um, a great player wide uh 
coming from the defense. Two goals, one assist. Five million, it's going to yeah. be virtually impossible to bring him into our squad. So that's just kind of a bummer. And then you're talking about the 4.5 goalkeeper rotation, Angus Gunn coming in at 4.5. So that's that's just one to flag as as another starting Yeah, I goalkeeper thought he played well down the stretch last year. Yeah. The forwards, Josh. Danny Ings signed a permanent deal this summer, so he's at Southampton to stay. Six million, so uh, that he's the type of player when you're like, man, I wish I could afford Timu Puki, but I can't. Should I settle <laughs> for Danny Ings? Would you right. settle in any situation, Josh, for Danny Ings? No, I will never, ever have Danny Ings on my team again. Ever. I just won't. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he sets on the pitch, he is he is seconds away from a massive injury. It is just the nature of the game with him. It, I'm sorry. I I don't know what, you know, it's like, I don't know if he, Black Cat, crossed his path, you know, many years ago, and he's still, I, that guy is just the most snake-bitten player, and I just, I do not like to have injury-prone players on my fantasy team. He's a total stay away for me. Yeah, so um, a, a few a, a few oddballs in the front line, Charlie Austin and Shane Long. They could be the odd men out in light of the other new signing at Southampton, which is Che Adams, priced at six million. Young, twenty-two-year-old Englishman coming up from the Championship, Birmingham City, where he scored a really impressive twenty-two goals last season, also five assists. So you would think that Che Adams is is being brought in after that great scoring record last season to contend for a starting position or maybe play two up front, play off of Ings, uh, or see if he can win that um, number nine spot outright. So interesting player to watch as he develops uh, Che Adams. So that's yeah, it. That's Southampton. Sure. Any sure. questions? No, I think that can be our shortest here? one. <laughs> no, okay. I'm ready to move on. Let's do one more team. Let's take a break. Then let's take a break. Tottenham Hotspur. A mm. sneaky good start, I think. I think they only really have one one truly difficult early match. They play uh, Man City away in game week two. They do play Arsenal away in game week four, but I think from an attacking perspective at least, that's not a that's not a bad fantasy fixture. Uh Aston Villa at home, game week one, Newcastle at home, game week three, Crystal Palace at home, game week five, uh, then Leicester, Southampton, Brighton uh through game week eight. So a really nice start to the season. So that Brandon brings the question, why are there no Spurs in my team right now? Mm-hmm. Well, it's pretty tricky. Um, I mean, all you have to do is look at last last season's players uh, to see why it's a tricky thing. You have uh, mm-hmm. Christian Eriksen, who uh, is in the midst of a three-season points decline. He had 218 points. This is total fantasy points. 218 points in 2017, 199 in 2018, and 161 in 2019. You have Deli Alley, who went from 175 two years ago to 94 points last season. Uh, you have uh, Sun, who only sc- had 23 starts last season. You have Harry Kane, who had 17 goals, which is down from 29 goals in the previous two seasons. And he only had 28 starts on the season. Uh, you have Lucas Mora, who is kind of interesting, actually. He's the one I'll sort of <laughs> he's the one I'm not going to spare right now from criticism. But it's you have sort of the the core four of this team, and it's really hard to accurately assess any of them. And you know, I know that they've all had some injuries, and obviously, Son had international duty as well. But I mean, injuries are are a telling indicator sometimes of of decline. You know, I mean, it, it, it can sometimes be that you are just 
you are just getting older and you are going to get injured more and more often, you know? And I, I just worry with some of these players about, no, um, it's like uh, time, time getting, getting older. You're getting older as spurs are like landslide is what I'm hearing. Well, the whole thing, the whole team is a miracle. I mean, it's like everyone had a worse year than they did the season before. And somehow they finished third in the premier league and made the champions league final. I mean, like Pochettino must be one of the five best managers in the world. I mean, he's such an extraordinary manager, and uh, and obviously, like the the defense came through. The, there's great team spirit there, and they also did it while moving into their new stadium. I mean, it's it is a. I'm not a you know, I'm not a Tottenham Spurs supporter, but I admire the club. Like I admire what they've what they've done uh, the last couple of seasons, and so the question is, you know, who's going to bounce back? I don't know. And until I know, it's hard to take a punt on any of these players because Erickson is still priced at nine million. Kane is still priced at eleven million. Son is at nine point five. Ellie is at eight point five, which is way too high. Uh Lucas is seven point five, which I actually think is a pretty fair price. Uh and actually Kane at eleven million is fair. The question with Kane is just, you know, at eleven million, that's a huge outlay for a forward. And I had Kane in my draft squad. He has subsequently been dropped for my draft squad. Because okay. I've just decided that he is at that at eleven million. I need a player that I'm going to be consistency consistently captaining, and I don't know that I see him as a consistent captain. Um, I I don't know that I trust him enough, and I also feel like I have other options. And so, mm-hmm. if I have other options for captains, then maybe it's worth going down two or three million and turning him into. Jamie Vardy or Callum Wilson and spreading that extra 3 million around the rest of my team, making the whole team better, you know? And so like the, is Harry Kane essential question is, is a big one. And, um, and you know, I don't know. I mean, I really want to have him in my squad, but it, my squad is so much weaker with him in it, you know? So, mm-hmm. so right now he's not. How about you? Yeah, I th- I think the interesting thing to note here is the signing of Endombele who uh, comes from Lyon, and he's he's like a powerhouse in the midfield, a tackler uh, and distributor from the midfield. And to watch to watch an Endombele YouTube sizzle reel is truly a thing of beauty. I found it absolutely awe inspiring. Like his mm-hmm. level of tackling prowess, his le- level of close control and maneuvering around opposition in the midfield was pretty stunning now obviously they put like the 10 best plays that a single player has ever had in these videos but um if you're talking about this the spurs midfield and harry kane sort of getting on in the whole um journey of the current iteration of spurs are they growing older just growing uh weaker uh, or degrading as a squad can a player mm-hmm. like Endombele free up players like Erickson and Ali to express themselves a little bit more, focus a little bit more on the attack? When Spurs were at, yep. at their absolute peak, I think was that season when Leicester won the league and Spurs made a, a legitimate title challenge and Victor Wanyama was in the midfield absolutely destroying everyone. And they have missed that. And Sissoko has not been able to replicate any type of possession or tackling um, prowess at all. It's not exactly his job, but Endombele could be an interesting factor. Obviously, we don't need know until we see them play together, but it could, mm-hmm. it, it really could be a, a game changer for them. Interesting, yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, you know, he's not a full on defensive midfielder either. You know, he's box to box, and so 
Um, you know, maybe he's like, maybe it's a Yaya Torre type thing. I don't know. I mean, he's developed for only 6 million. So the price is the, pr- even just like as a fantasy asset in his own right, you know, I think he's, he's possibly right. interesting. You know, it's, uh, yeah. doesn't say you out too much. I, I mentioned a moment ago, but just, uh, again, I think that Lucas Mora at 7.5 million, I think it's a very fair price for somebody who scored 10 goals to assist last season, plays on a team that's going to score goals. You know, it's do you want to fall into that trap of having the fourth or fifth best attacking asset at a team? You know, um, it's it's usually something you want to avoid. But I think in this case, especially when you factor in that Sun isn't starting the first two game weeks because he's still recovering from the not recover. Well, he is he's suspended. He is waiting for yeah, his card to be over. He can't play. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Lucas Moore is an almost certainty to start the first two matches. Um, I think yeah. it's interesting. Um, I, you know, I wonder if maybe I don't have a spur for the first two game weeks and I just sort of hope I survive that Aston Villa game with that one. Uh, and then yeah. I bring someone in by game week three, let's say, you know, yeah. once I've had a chance to assess things a little bit. So, um, you know, I think we, we kind of know the story with the midfield and obviously we know about Kane as well. Um, what about the defense? Not a lot to say right now. Um, I mean, you have uh, Rose Davis and uh, Trippier and Walker Peters, um, you know, consistent rotation there. I would avoid um, all four of those players. Um, Toby and Jan are, you know, sort of decent and unexciting options at 5.5 million. I, mean, I think Juan Foyth, uh, who really earned his spot the second half of last season, played quite well. Um, mm-hmm. Also suspended for the first two game weeks of the season, unfortunately, uh, is and it really kind of like it kind of screws him up as a fantasy asset. Uh, so he is at least worth watching, though. Um, at five billion, assuming that he holds. Did you see the highlight of Juan Foyth absolutely destroying Philippe Coutinho yes. on the dribble in the in the Copa America? Yeah, I did. I had to look it up because I had to look up his number, and I was like, "Wait, who?" Because I couldn't quite tell. And I was like, "Wow, is Juan Foyth?" Uh, yeah, so that was that was awesome. Um, all right, so Kane. I mean, do we need to say anything more right now? It's we don't really know, well, right? We need to. Uh, we I, I want to see him play many many matches before i decide how i feel about him (laughs) kane's in my draft right now and um you know i don't want to put too much too much money down on this this myth of endombele but the knock on the particular knock on kane last season uh beyond his many just knocks his injuries was the fact that he was dropping so deep to collect the ball and if there is if there is some player or some system change that's able to happen to allow Kane to be able to push farther up the field and be able to receive Mm -hmm. the ball in more dangerous positions, then I think that is, that's just so so much upside for him as an FPL asset. Cause what we really need from Kane is him shooting more, getting more opportunities in the box. Uh, That's what I'm going to be looking for. And I'm, I'm having a tr- I'm having trouble with my draft keeping Kane, but I'm tr- right now I'm focusing on ways to make it work. I th- I think it would be fun to start with Kane and possibly even captain him at home to Villa in game week one. That's where I'm at. It would it would be fun. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's take a quick break, and we have three more teams to go. Our three final teams. Brandon, we must stop everything and take a moment to talk about our friends at Fantasy Football Hub. They can be found at fantasyfootballhub.co.uk. Brandon, it's a one-stop shop for all of your FPL and Sky Fantasy needs. Now, we can't play Sky Fantasy here in the United States. It's a little bit of a 
little bit of a loss for us, I suppose. But uh, probably, probably like for our own mental health, it's good not to have the Sky game, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's good. Uh, I'm glad those tariffs are in place. <laughs> but if you are looking for Sky Fantasy advice, the Fantasy Football Hub is one of the places you can absolutely go and find a ton of super useful advice on there. So I definitely recommend going there if you're a Sky player. If you're just a regular fantasy player, it's a fantastic resource. What 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 they've done is cobbled together the best, most interesting, best thinking, best performing players in fantasy, and they get them to write articles, uh, do video posts, do blog posts, do uh, which I guess is the kind of the same thing as an article. Uh, there are podcasts <laughs> on there. Uh, our podcast is on there. Uh, all kinds of great content. Uh, Will Thomas created it. A number of fantastic finishes in his own right. Uh, Matthew Jones is the World Hall of Fame number one, depending on what it's like nine Hall of Fame metrics now, but he's certainly one of the best managers out there. Adam Hofcraft, Ben Crowlin, tons of others. Uh, it's a great resource. Brandon, tell them what you get if you become a member of Fantasy Football Hub. Yes, become a member today and gain access immediately to a ton of great members-only features. Those features, Josh, they include, let me tell you some of them, a new opt-data tool, an advanced fixture ticker, comparison tools, hands-on tools, uh, that will make your FPL team that much better. You get video and text guides, including how to win at FPL, the ultimate preseason guide from the hub. Also, Ben Crellin, you know his spreadsheets. You love them. You've got an exclusive planning sheet right there at, at the hub. Over 100 member articles and also entry into the big one. It's the big cash prize the Fantasy Football Hub's 5,000-pound cash prize mini league. And there is an exclusive 10% off deal for listeners of the Always Cheating podcast. To get your membership discount today, visit fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always and use the code ALWAYS to get 10% off your Fantasy Football Hub membership today. That's beautiful. Brent, I heard your voice crack a little bit at the beginning there. I can tell you, you get emotional when, you, when it comes to saving our listeners money and... Uh, and gosh, it's darn important it, I to do me. too. It's, yeah. it's important to both of us. All right, Brandon, let's, let's take a quick break and we'll get back into our team previews. All right, we're back and we have three more teams and then we're done with our team by team preview. I can't believe we've already made it. It feels like the season is already over, Josh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are. We are. We are into the W's and we'll cover Watford here. And Watford is honestly one of my favorite stories from last season. I feel like since coming up from the championship a handful of seasons ago, Watford finally got it to really work in the Premier League last season. Finished in 11th place. They had a really strong start to the season I think part of that was them actually finding a manager that uh, everyone liked and wanted mm -hmm. to actually wanted to stick around and for a second. Javi Gracia. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, Gracia took Watford to the FA Cup final where they lost to City. But, you know, it's 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 just not it. It was just a great season for them uh, taken in, in its totality. Um, so what do we know of Watford now heading into game week one of the 2019-20 season? Well, they haven't done a ton of business just yet. Uh, the one piece of business they have done is Craig Dawson. You remember him from West Brom. Uh, did you ever you ever bring Craig Dawson into your FPL side? Josh? Sure. I was more of a Macaulay man, but I would have Dawson occasionally. Oh, yeah. Macaulay scoring one of the most legendary uh, FPL ghost goals of all time. But mm -hmm. uh, So Craig Dawson was sometimes the forgotten man. I don't understand why, though, because this is fun fact. 
Craig Dawson, since he became a, a permanent fixture in West Brom's starting lineup, he has scored at least two goals uh, every season since. So that's four straight seasons in the Premier League. Dawson scored at least two goals. And even last season in the championship for West Brom, he scored two goals again, also wow. three assists. So if we can guarantee anything in FPL this season, it's that Mr. Dawson will be priced at $5 million and he was he will score two goals. It's not bad. So take, yep. take that for what it's worth because, honestly, Watford defenders are, are often like a hilariously bad time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never brought in a Watford defender, and it's it's worked for me. No. Paul Abbas is, is kind of a good example of this, right? Like he, you see him do wondrous things uh, one week. You bring him in, and he's you know just ye- a yellow card machine. Oh, totally. And you pull up, you pull up Watford on like your fantasy transfer page or whatever. And like the, the list of defenders always runs like 17 deep. And like all of them have played in like the last three game weeks somehow. And you're like, like how in the world do I pick which one to have here? You know, and like Holobos is the one you want. But then that guy's like 35 now and uh, gets so many yellow cards. He's a, just a massive liability in your team. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I think uh, Craig Cathcart is a name that, that I've sort of kicked, like heard kicked around a little bit as a maybe more stable defensive option. Uh, yeah. he, he's cheaper too. He's only 4.5 million. Yeah, exactly. And I would recommend exactly that with Watford defense. If you want a piece of that, look for one of the 4.5 defenders, Cathcart, three goals last season. So that's not bad, particularly mm-hmm. for a, a 4.5 starter in a team that could be pushing for top of the table and Kiko Firmina. One goal, one assist last season. He could. He he's kind of in that category of of will he play? Won't he? Him and Daryl Yanmont also at four or five. Yep. Um, yeah. And Ben Foster sadly probably priced out of the game at five million. So let's just move on to the midfield for Watford, which there are just a handful of delightful misfits here. <laughs> like all all great players in their own way, but sure. uh, how can you justify any of these any of these crazy guys like Perea? Started so well last I love, season. Then, I know. Yeah. I thought it was finally going to happen. I, it, it, I mean, it was. It happened to a degree, you know. I mean, like he had his moments, but yeah, it did not. It didn't happen like in italics. Yeah, he just kind of disappeared toward the end of the season. Finished just on on six goals, four assists. It looks like he. It looked like he was on course for at least ten goals the way he started that season. Decore, he's like a secret um fave of mine mm-hmm. uh even though he is in that weird sort of yaya torre position of where is he actually meant to be playing on the pitch but he does get pretty far forward and he did score seven goals and had five assists last season at six million who knows if he will come into our thinking at any point i just want to basically take this moment on my own podcast to say how much i really like decore um <laughs> But yeah, just then just like a cast of of total weirdos and oddballs. Will Hughes uh, among them is another one of those will they, won't they players. Sure. The, the well, one I don't know why he's 5.5 million. Like, I don't know. He's not earned that price. That's that Hughes bump. Uh, and he's he's always going to get it because he's Hughes. Um, the one interesting player in the midfield here, Nathaniel Chalaba at 4.5. Definitely monitoring him. I when he moved from Chelsea to Watford, you thought maybe he would grow into a starting 11 position, but he, he, he had like a season ending injury that very season. And he just hasn't been able to really work his way back into the starting 
lineup, but it, it seems like he's capable of it. So, um, you know, for all you Chalaba heads out there, uh, keep watch. <laughs> uh, I think what we really need to talk about, um, uh, seriously though here now, Josh, let's get, let's get real. It's, it's the forward lineup for Watford, you know, Troy Deeney, uh, he's been around for ages, the penalty taker, the captain, but Ger- Gerard De La Feu was the breakout star, particularly in the second half of the season. And he has been reclassified from midfield to forward. Price competitively, price to buy at 6.5. Currently already in 14% of FPL teams. So people are backing Jerry D to to do something. And they have a a great opening game week one fixture at home Brighton. Then it's Everton, home West Ham, Newcastle. Then it gets kind of uh, 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 dicey with Arsenal and then Man City away in game week six. But um, I I think I would uh, flag De La Feo as an interesting game week one player for sure. I have Jerry D in my squad right now, and uh, I think he sticks in there. Um, I mean, he, it's like a secretly good season. It's probably even better than it looks on paper um, because he missed a bunch of game weeks at the you know a bunch of matches at the start of the season. Uh, but I mean, you know, ten goals, five assists, six point five million, uh, probably a pretty mortal lock to start in that team as long as he's healthy yeah. in a game week. So, um, you know, he's not 37 years old, like Troy Deeney, uh, <laughs> you know, he's not in kind of inconsistent like Andre Gray. Um, I think it's, I think he's, you know, pretty good spot and good fixture. So, um, here, yeah, I think he's, uh, he's the one player that intrigues me. Let me complicate things for you here, Josh. I agree. Like De La Feu, strong second half of the season, those 10 goals that he scored, he scored against only four opponents. And let me name them for you. He scored one goal against Manchester City. Not bad. Like, that's the toughest opposition. That's as, as tough as it gets by the table, by as far as the table is concerned. After that one goal against City, he scored three goals against Huddersfield. He scored four goals against Cardiff. One of those was a hat trick. And he scored two goals against West Ham. So... Pretty much uniformly weak opposition that De La Feu is scoring against. So I like All right. flat track bully territory, perhaps. But I'm fine with that because there's West Ham in game week three. There's a terrible Newcastle team in game week four. There's what Brighton in game week one. Uh, I mean, Everton. OK, maybe that's a tricky one. It's not that tricky, though. Um, you know, I mean, three out of four good fixtures is like a pretty solid mix. But can I sell you? On an Andre Gray at six million, saving 0.5, only 13 starts last season for Andre Gray, and he scored seven goals and two assists, and he scored uh, against a variety of opposition, unlike Mister Gerard De La Feu. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's foolish to to for me to seriously make the case. Like, all right, in, nailed in the game week one squad. It's got to be Gray over De La Feu. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. overstate it in that way. Right. A little food for thought. Food food for thought there, though. Uh, no, you can't tell me on Andre Gray. I have no interest in him. <laughs> I would never consider him uh, for my team. He's not good enough. Uh, he's just not a fantasy player. Like he might, he might score some goals for Watford, but I mean, he's not like a realistic fantasy option in, in my opinion. Um, okay. I, I'm sensing bias in your voice here, but I, I feel like I made a, pre, a pretty compelling case there for Andre Gray. You uh, did. You he, made he, a compelling will, will. case. <laughs> I listened to it and I disagree with it. You know, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm allowed to not agree with your opinion. 
you know, I, I respect it, but I, in this case, I disagree <laughs> with it. <laughs> All right. So it, it looks like De La Feo is, is the huge favorite for this Watford side. The defense is pretty much a stay away. The midfield yep. is, is strange. Yep. And, and, and we roll on. Good luck to, good luck to the Hornets this season. That's right. Uh, West Ham, uh, kind of a funky team. Um, hard to even pull notes on them. Like it's, on the one hand, it's it's you kind of know you know the team. On the other hand, it's a lot of a lot of things are changing. I mean, we, um, Arnie is out. Uh, he finally moved on, which I think is probably good for everybody. I mean, uh, it was just such a. I, I hate that kind of player, you know, who's just yeah. like every time they have like a run of two good matches, they start to advocate to like move to a bigger club or make more money or whatever. There was a perfectly titled uh, headline in the FPL Reddit thread that somebody had, had drafted that said uh, Arnatovich finally fulfills lifelong career ambition of playing in China. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's just like whatever, like great. Like, I mean, <laughs> if you want to make as much money as possible, that is completely reasonable and I won't. I won't fault you, but it was just like the whole thing was kind of ugly. And I, why did he sign another deal? Like, why didn't he just force the move in January? It's all very strange. So West Ham is going to look different for sure. They're going to look different up front. Um, they have uh, the big signing right now for them is Pablo Fornals, who is a uh, highly rated 23-year-old attacking midfielder who's joining from Villarreal. His, you know, attacking his sort of, I guess you call his fantasy stats are – not super overwhelming. He had five goals and six assists and 50 appearances last year for, for the club, um, which is uh, perhaps not reflective of how he's going to play within West Ham, you know? Um, and uh, it was, you know, it was, it was a high price move. Um, there's a lot of optimism about him. Um, comes in at 6.5 million. So again, kind of at that price where it's hard to, it's hard to just thrust him right into your team because you want to give it a few weeks and sort of just see what you're getting with him. Um, yeah. you know, but I think he's, I think he's very intriguing, um, sort of tied with him. He's not a new signing, but it feels like one is, um, not to sound like Arsene Wenger, Yarmolenko, who is a uh, 6 million and back in training. He's just one year removed from scoring 10 goals and nine assists and 36 appearances for, uh, Dortmund and Dynamo Kiev. So, uh, really tons of players started to look really good. I thought at times last fall for West Ham. And then was it, did he break his leg? Is that what it was? Yeah, it's both of kind them. Of, yeah, did he break both it, of his it, legs? Wow. It was a tragic motorcycle accident. Uh, he was, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't remember what happened to him. Yeah, he, he hurt himself real bad, though. He broke his leg, I believe. But I, I can't remember what, what all the details were. I, I, I don't know if it was on the pitch or, or off. But uh, so, you know, but as, as of this week, he's back in training. So um, I think that's really encouraging. And uh, yeah, I mean, six million is kind of, kind of interesting. I mean, their, their run of fixtures is is not bad. It's sort of, it looks bad because you see that big man city to start things off. But mm-hmm. once you get past that, it's a really nice run of Brighton, Watford, Norwich and Aston Villa, uh, in game weeks two through five. And, um, you know, I would love to see a more solid defense from this team because there are a lot of really cheap defensive assets that I would love to, um, invest in as like a fourth or fifth defender. Um, sure. but, um, you know, as it is right now, you've got this kind of mix of, um, Jop, Balbuena, um, Obana, uh, who yeah. else do we want to throw in there? Aaron Cresswell. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's the, yeah, Cresswell is 5 million. If, if he was 4.5, he might be kind of intriguing, but 
Um, as it is, I think that the defense just proved to be a, a real stay away at the end of last season. And I tried really yeah. hard to make Belbuena a thing last season, and it was a disaster of a transfer for me. And yeah. he, I, I think I tuned into a um, Copa America match earlier this summer, right as Belbuena was receiving a red card for a um, goal denial. Uh, chance so it was just Belbuena doing Belbuena things <laughs> yeah I, I, I do not S- like this sad defense. to say so you have this so you know we don't so the the forward line is um you know kind of still up in the air a little bit so uh the midfield I actually talked about this way at the top of the podcast but the midfield is a little bit muddled you've got players like Antonio who had uh, six goals and eight assists last season it was a double that he doubled his goal tally and quadrupled his assist tally from the previous season so Pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty significant for players 29 years old. I mean, it did feel like he really stepped up at the end of last season. Um, Felipe Anderson had a better fantasy season than we probably credit him for. Mm-hmm. Um, he had nine goals, six assists, 18 bonus points. Came in at $7 million, which does seem a little bit high. I'm not sure. Blah, yeah. yeah, like how is Zaha a seven and, and Anderson a seven too? Like, you know, one player had five goals and four more assists or whatever. So yeah, just kind of strange uh, that Anderson's coming in at 7 million. I feel like um, if he was 6.5 or six, he might be a little more intriguing. Um, he is kind of like, he doesn't shoot a lot, you know, he's not really like a, um, I mean, I'm actually surprised he has as many goals as he has, because when you watch him play, it feels like he's really the, like he's the one, like he's, you know, he's got a lot of pace, but then he sort of mm-hmm. plays it off you know, for yeah. somebody to then go in and, and finish it or, you know, pass along to the forward. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So he is a, he's a talented player. I actually like watching Felipe Anderson play a lot just as a, as a, as a regular premier league player, but um, as a fantasy player, he is a slightly frustrating player. I think to own one player that I am sort of interested in this team is Mark Noble, a player that I've really never mm-hmm. had any time for ever. Uh, convince but me. He, well, just he's fairly priced at five million. He's coming off a five goal, five assist campaign. Uh, he's certainly a lock to be on penalties now that uh, uh, Arnie has left for China. Uh, they have a really nice run of fixtures, and I'm not sure that I trust a lot of the five million options that are available out there. And okay. you know, so you could kind of use him as a like an interchangeable. Like if you're doing like four in the back and you're doing three forwards then maybe you want to rotate that third and fourth midfielder spot a little bit, right? So if you're going to go mm-hmm, four, yeah. three, three. So in that case, you could use Mark Noble as a, I think an alternating, as an alternating, you know, third midfielder, um, okay. possibly a fourth midfielder. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, like Mark Noble at home to Norwich or away to Aston Villa in game week four and five, like I would happily start him for those matches and I would expect an attack and return from him in one of those two probably. Okay, uh, yeah, I won't. I won't completely scoff at that. Um, I I have had good times with Mark Noble uh, a handful of seasons ago. Yeah, that having penalties in his back pocket is is a pretty exciting thing for Noble. Yeah. So, and he's the club captain, so you'd expect him to start the vast majority of the matches still too. I mean, he's he's not a young player. You know, he's like. Uh, He's like almost as old as some of those Sheffield United players, you know. So <laughs> he, I, I actually just looked him up. He's 32. You'd think he was actually, yeah, upward of 34, 35, given how he looks like, old. The mo- yeah. He, he kind of looks old. He kind of, well, I'm not going to say he acts old, but he 
Maybe it's just because he's a good team captain and a decent lead leader, even though he's got like 50 red card challenges in him every season. But, but he does look um, like he's like the dad of one of the players in the pitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Right, uh, right. All right. So that's that's West Ham for you. It's it's a it's a kind of a mixed bag. I do think that there's some fantasy potential here. There's just no one that I in talking about them want to like tell somebody to run out and, and grab. You know, there's no one that I'm just it's like it, it is like Mark, like Mark Noble's kind of the one that I'm like, hey, like maybe consider it. Um, you know, but I think even like, you know, someone like Antonio is fun, um, you know, and, and sort of intriguing, but at 7 million, I just think there's other places I'd rather, uh, I'd rather pick up a 7 million player. You, my ears perked up when you were talking about Yarmolenko. He's going to be my, my, on my watch list. So let's, let's see how healthy he actually ends up being. That's great. Shall we talk about Wolverhampton now, our final team? Let's do it. Okay. Wolves, uh, they are in the Europa League. Of course, we know because they had such an amazing season. Their first season back in the Premier League after promotion, they looked fantastic. We made some great friends on Wolverhampton. Matt Doherty, we we learned to say his name and then not say his name correctly <laughs> again. And that's uh-huh. okay. Mm-hmm. Raul Jimenez, one of the best value players next to Ryan Fraser in the entire game last season. Fantastic team, but they took a bullet to the head FPL-wise when they qualified for the Europa League. And then you're also looking at uh, this opening run of fixtures, which... Um, I, actually think it's a tri- I think it's actually a triple whammy, Brandon, because it's the Europa League, it's the opening run of fixtures, and then it's the fact that everyone got a massive price bump as well. Yeah, 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 that, that's exactly right. And, and Doherty up to $6 million. After a great season, four goals, seven assists, and just eight clean sheets. That was, that. just focusing on the Wolves' defense, that was the huge point of frustration here is that they played very good defense throughout the season, but they just always had one lapse in concentration per game that cost us a lot of FPL clean sheets, which was pretty frustrating. It's just like, I, I mentioned this earlier, but to to remember that he started at 4.5 last season. So I think what I take that to mean is not that we need anything to do with Doherty this season at 6 million, but there is hope for us, Josh. There is an undiscovered, 4.5 million defender somewhere out there mm-hmm. and he's just waiting to be discovered Every and I can't year. wait when, until year. we find him. Yep. Yeah, Agreed. Exactly. Yep. So Darty on four goals, who else in that defense had four goals last season, Josh? Mm. Any guesses? Yeah. I'm going to guess uh Willie bully. Yeah, you have the, our running order right in front of you. Yeah, Willie Bowley, no one ever talked about this guy, but my man, four goals last season. You couldn't see that coming, um, but I just can't see the risk of Bali being worth it at $5 million. Mm-hmm. Johnny was kind of the other star fullback, again, priced out of the game, now at 5.5, particularly if you're looking at a, uh, somebody like Chilwell, who... This this is part of the appeal of Everton and Leicester, right? As we're planning for the start of the season, is they're unencumbered. They don't have to deal with this weird Europa League qualification process. They will just be focused on the league when they hit the pitch, and that that draws me away from Wolves and straight to teams like Leicester and Everton. Totally. Uh, the one player I think that um, is value for money and might be able to skirt all these um, red flags that we're seeing is Dendonker, who 
um, made a permanent move from Anderlecht. He was just a lone player last season, ended up ended up with two goals on 17 starts. He's a 24-year-old player, so he's kind of in the prime of his career. The appealing thing here with Dendonker is the 4.5 million price tag. So that rotate that midfield rotation that you were mentioning with Mark Noble, Josh, mm-hmm. Dendonker, um, assuming he's just locked into the starting lineup, it's just a sensational price tag. Right. For An assumption I'm mid- not sure you can make, to be honest. No, you can't. You know, I'm, I'm just saying if if it comes to pass, and if it right. doesn't come to pass, and and you need a 4.5 bench midfielder, then I think he's ripe for the picking because there will be, well, that would be, that's another question that the Europa League raises because I think sometimes with, depending on how far Wolves go in the competition, sometimes you see certain players get tapped to be in the Europa squad and then other players are tapped to be in the league squad. So where will Dendonker fit there? So that, that's just something to keep an eye out. And we might have a better idea because their uh, second round of qualifiers starts July 25th and then another one on August 1st. So Wolves will be playing um, for real competitive matches more than a week before the season starts. So we'll get a pretty good look at them. Nice. Um, I mean, be a fun weekend, yeah. Brandon. We'll have that. We'll have, uh, we'll have our beloved charity shield. Uh, lots of good stuff what to watch i mean fire up that dvr i mean it the uh the fact that dioga jotsu was reclassed from midfield to the forward makes when i was just sort of looking at wolf's team it, it gave me pause like who actually was a good fpl asset in the wolverhampton midfield last season and it was kind of like no one right diego, diego jota was the man. And then you're looking at just weird, wild punts with Ruben Neves and Moutinho. It's, it's true. I mean, Neves is a great player and like the coolest looking guy in the Premier League. I love his look. I just think he looks very cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, his like he just loves to like just hit the ball as hard as he can from, you know, 20 yards outside the box. And it's uh, very frustrating, you know, if you have him in your team. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I agree. And then Matinho is kind of like, uh, he had a real, ultimately a quite, quite fantastic season, really, even given his price. And, uh, I'm not sure how high the expectations were for him. Obviously he's like a, you know, he's been a great player for a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, those aren't like fantastic fantasy assets. I'm not running out to buy either of them, especially not at 5.5 million. Yeah. I think if you, if if you were forced to pick one Moutinho on his eight assists and, and if he could conceivably improve on that this season looks like decent value. And if you do a stats comparison, Moutinho comes out well ahead in terms of uh, attacking involvement um, ahead of Neves. So Moutinho is the player there, but um, doesn't bear much discussion. Moving on to the forwards mentioned the reclassification of Diogo Jota, and he's the value pick at 6.5 as compared to Raul Jimenez, who uh, got uppriced to 7.5. Now, you would you would guess that Jimenez would even would get an even bigger bump up to something like 8.5, which kind of yep. makes sense when you look at his output last season, 13 goals, 10 assists, and he was consistent regardless of opposition, just a fantastic player. Yeah, if you had told and, me that that Matt Matt D was going to come in at six million, I and that Johnny was coming in at five point five, I definitely would have assumed that him and Ez was going to come in at eight or eight point five. You know, As, I yeah. mean, seven point five is downright affordable uh, considering yeah. all that. 
So you'd think Jimenez would be straight into everyone's team, given that 7.5 seems like a very reasonable reasonable price. But for all those reasons that we mentioned, the the schedule, the Europa League, which we saw with, with Burnley last season, it just drains the squad of... If you're yeah. not a really deep squad, it drains you of so much of your power and you're playing in these far-flung uh, places on Thursday nights and sometimes expected to play early Sunday. And it it's tough. So it's going to be... Yeah. I once heard someone suggest, maybe it was on Grantland or The Ringer or something like that, but like their, their like way to fix the Europa League was just to make the whole thing like... All the Europa League teams, it was just like an NCAA tournament-style thing where it was just mm-hmm. like... You know, and it was just like a single knockout, like you just played wherever and it was 64 teams or whatever. And then it was 32 and, you know, all the way down. And um, I, I, I guess that probably wouldn't generate like enough matches or something to like replace the revenue. And then it's all about it's all about revenue with with, you know, that stuff. But um, it does seem like it's like we're talking about Europa League, like it's like a like they've contracted cancer or something like, and it's just like, it shouldn't be that way. You know, it should like playing in Europe should be, and obviously once it will be, it will be exciting. It'll be cool. Um, and I'm sure they're looking forward to it, but it's, uh, and maybe we're, maybe we're, it's just the fantasy bias in us, you know, like yes, it's, it totally is. Yeah. You're right. Cause we're worried about rotation and things like that. Uh, but it does seem to have an effect on like just your win loss record in the Premier League too, you know? So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, uh, just a few a few additional notes on Jimenez because he is such a star for this team. And watching him in particularly the final against the U.S. in the Copa America, Jimenez had just this this fabulous pass to lead to the game winning goal, and he he looked good throughout the summer in the Copa America. He's he's not lost a step, but interesting stat if you compare him to a similarly priced forward like Callum Wilson, Callum Wilson eight point he actually like number of attacking returns, not like points, but number of goals or assists totally tallied up. Kellen Wilson actually tallied 26 returns versus 23 hmm. for Jimenez. So it's just something that you you might not immediately think when you look back romantically, fondly on last season, all those good times that you had with Jimenez and all those rotten times when Josh King was sto- was scoring when you wanted Callum Wilson to. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that may say more about Callum Wilson than it does about Jimenez, but um, it's just interesting to note. And I just, that 7.5 price tag is just so chef's kiss, like, Perfect. And I love it. It's like the thing that FPL does so right, where at 7.5, we have to look at Jimenez and he has to perform in in order to justify a place in our team. Like if he was 6.5, then we everyone would have him. If he was 8.5, you might just assume that he will get return 7.5 is like an earn this price tag and and i really <laughs> yeah. do like it yeah um i the last thing i'll say about wolves is i saw the most bizarre rumor did you catch this diego costa oh, yeah. uh, thing on twitter so there were rumors that he's maybe in negotiations with everton but this idea that he agreed to personal terms with and this could be wildly out of date by the time this podcast goes up but um Costa agreeing to personal terms with Wolverhampton. Like, no way that happened. Is that is that just crazy? I mean, it's possible. I mean, they're a really ambitious club, but uh yeah, it does I mean, I I, I don't know. I mean it seems like he's a, he's got a big personality and he's aging, and you wonder if that's a good 
a great fit for a team that has such a great kind of spirit of core, you know, but, yeah. uh, but I don't know, like at the same time, like maybe, I mean, a lot of the people are, you know, I mean, obviously he's, he's Spanish, right? he's sort of Brazilian and Spanish. Um, he's not from, from Portugal, but I mean, he probably does, I'm sure he speaks Portuguese, you know, um, being from mm-hmm. Brazil. And so, um, you know, so, you know, maybe he would kind of fit in there, you know, like a bunch of other Portuguese speaking people and it'd feel kind of comfortable and it would work out okay, you know? So, um, yeah. I don't know, that would be my sort of optimistic way of looking at it. Yeah, cool. Anything else you want to talk about with Wolves before we uh, shut this down? No, I think let's shut it down. All right, let's sign off. Um, again, if you like what you hear, if you want to support the cheaters, me and Josh, just go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash always cheating. Check out the various tiers there and what you can get in return, including starting at the Lord Sorloth tier, a bonus extra podcast every week once the season begins. Uh, T-shirts, head-to-head leagues, the Slack, all sorts of other really cool stuff to become a part of. Um, producers, you can also become a producer at a Patreon page, and we want to thank all of our producers right now. Josh, say thanks. I'm ready. Give right. thanks. I will. I will give thanks. Mike DePietro, Stephen Toomey, Carl Rasmussenini, Granley, Chris Howell, Martin Savage, Jim Payne, Adam Benjamin, Brian T. Trevor Ingerson, Chris Carter, DeBig, Gaffer, Babas Kuhn, Jeff Hoosby, The Broken, Ben Grant, James Holland, Oyvid Anderson, Jazz Benning, Andy Penn, Blair Jacobson, and Danny Evans. Mm, awesome. And uh, never miss a minute of Always Cheating. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. It's on whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Acast. And while you're there, give us a five-star review. Write us a review. That always helps us a lot. Also, on social media, Josh, you love this stuff. You're always on there dispensing wonderful wisdom. Mm-hmm. You love it. You eat I it love up. It. If you can go there, you can find us on uh, Twitter. We're at Hail Cheaters. Uh, Instagram at Hail Cheaters. And remember, remember, we are on Instagram. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. we, we 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 actually post. We try not to just post the podcast in there. We try to post some actual, like you know, us out and about at games or anything. You know, some funny that crosses our path. Uh, Facebook, you can find us facebook.com slash always cheating. You can email us hailcheaters at gmail.com. Or you can visit the website to find all of this stuff, including our league code and Patreon information at www.alwayscheating.com. Brilliant. Uh, another series of team previews in the can. Yeah. Um, I thought doing it as three parts would not kill me, but it killed me more <laughs> somehow. I'm double killed. It's better just to, it turns out two murders are better than three, right? And so we'll try to keep this in mind for next year. <laughs> Excellent. But we, we will return with our uh, glorious fourth, maybe fifth edition of our 10 tips for uh, FPL success. Always a favorite episode of ours. So we'll look forward to talking to you guys very soon. Yeah, we'll see you next week. All right, bye. Bye.